Once again, everyone, and welcome to the Wit and Whiskey cast on this, well, I don't know if it's a nice day or not, because it's been so bloody cold here in Pennsylvania this weekend, but uh, a day, nevertheless. I am your co-host, Marcus Eddie Jr., here as always with uh, the man from the Shire, who's slowly turning into an old man, and I guess we could say is technically celebrating his first Father's Day, uh, DJ Gagnon. Hey, everybody. I'm very tired. Now, remember what he said last week, folks, about being tired. Yeah, I'm not complaining. I'm just simply noting I am very tired. Okay. I'm going to be a little lower energy tonight. Uh, just be, you know, I, I feel like I can get away with it. It's Mark's episode, so. Yes, we are going to be talking about one of the finer things in life. Back when the world was a simpler, much more civilized place. Uh, we're going to be talking about cigars and whiskey, which is one of my favorite combinations of things. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, what'd you do this week, buddy? Um, I don't really remember anything that happened during the week because uh, I just had this massive, awesome thing to look forward to uh, at the end of the week. So uh, a buddy of mine and I went down to Boston and we got to see a back-to-back show of uh, the McElroy family doing um, two live podcast episodes, which was really amazing. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I, I know we don't talk a lot about other podcasts on this show, but uh, I, I feel like they don't really need us to tout them at all. Um, but we get to see The Adventure Zone and My Brother, My Brother and Me. But it was, one was Friday, one was Saturday. So I drove down to Boston twice this weekend. So I'm, I'm a little, little bit tired uh, and then today, um, I had to do a ton of cleaning. I had to touch up a bunch of paint. I had to take painting tape off a bunch of walls and, uh, completely stow away all of my tools and my paint and all of that good stuff because, uh, we are getting the flooring installed in my office tomorrow. So there's, uh, it was just a lot of work today. Uh, I, I'm feeling kind of sticky and uh, in, in need of just kind of some veg out time. But uh, it, was just, it was a lot. Um, ran around to Lowe's, got a bunch of crap, uh, went out grocery shopping. So it was just like a, a very full day, and I'm just kind of tired. And then I made mistakes when it came to the drink I'm reviewing tonight. So I'll talk about that later. How excited are you for the flooring? Uh, I'm very excited to have that stage done. I'm like... It's been all go, 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 go in the office. And then uh, my dad has uh, a table saw and he has one of those. I don't actually know what they're called. Maybe it's a chop saw. Maybe it's a table saw. I don't know. But he's got one of those ones that can angle so it can really quickly cut uh, trim. And so he's going to come over with his saw and his nail gun. And we're going to just bang out the trim in one day but he can't do it for like three weeks. So it, the office is going to look very pretty, and I won't be able to install any furniture until he can come over with his tools and we can do the trim. It was like when we did the floor in the garage. you got to wait 72 hours before you put anything on this floor. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, uh, I mean, I can't give my dad too much sla- uh, flack. I can't give him too much flack because it is uh, Father's Day, so... He uh, came over and dropped off a couple of cards for me and uh, took a look at stuff, and then we figured out a plan for the trim. So I, it's, like, weirdly, everything pre-baby is kind of coming to a close. Like, we're going to do a bunch of work in July and August to 
clean out the house. I'm going to rent a dumpster and just get rid of a ton of questionable shit at my house, like old cans of paint. And I've got, I've got two gas powered weed whackers that have never worked. Uh, and I just can't, I just can't deal Mark. Do you want a a weed whacker? I have several, but thank you. Okay. Well then in that case, I'm just going to throw them out because there's no point. Um, so yeah, it's just the rest of the stuff pre baby is just literally like clean up here and there, but the kid could drop tomorrow and we'd be fine. How about you? Famous last words, folks. Uh, it's been a week. Uh, been trying to get some <clears throat> work stuff done because, of course, I scheduled a big anniversary lecture uh, literally the day before I'm supposed to leave for vacation. And in between my you know research slash writing time, there was a previous engagement that we had signed up for to man a booth and do some children's programs at uh, the Riverfest this weekend, so... You know, I lost like a good day and a half of research slash writing time. So uh, finally my lecture's done. I finished it about three hours ago and sent it off to a few people to look at to make some edits and corrections. But it's like, good Lord above, I'm just over this. Uh, <laughs> what's, the, what's the topic? Well, this coming th- Friday as we record this, is no, I lied. This coming Thursday, as we record this, I'm, I'm a day ahead of myself. <clears throat> is the 50th anniversary of the biggest flood to ever hit this area, which also for 21 years was the worst in terms of property damage, natural disaster ever in the U.S. <clears throat> well, until Hurricane Andrew, and that usurped it. So since it's the 50th anniversary, just everybody is. They've got, you know, just fever over this. I've done interviews with the ABC affiliate, with the NBC affiliate, with the CBS affiliate, with the PBS affiliate, uh, both newspapers in our area. The Philadelphia Inquirer did a phone interview with me over the weekend. Uh, We did an episode of the other podcast on it. Now I'm doing this lecture. I'm pretty much done with this flood. (laughs) Let me tell you. (laughs) Amazing. You're going to, it's going to be such a good lecture though you're gonna knock it out of the park i mean so far the people that i've had look at it say that it's all right and you know me i can stretch if i have to so uh yeah i'm honestly surprised you do any research for your lectures well i always i mean i don't write i shouldn't you know i'm sitting here and saying that i'm writing a lecture that's not entirely true i at most i give myself bullet points but for this one since we are going to be recording it for the society's youtube channel i did a slideshow so I was putting together the, the PowerPoint, and then I just have little jumping-off points on certain slides. Uh, that you know, It might only be one line that says, like, oh, yes, you know, President Nixon came on September 9th, 1972, to view the damage. But you know, then I can go into five or six little anecdotes about his visit, uh, depending on you know, how the crowd is reacting and X and Y and Z. So I shouldn't really say that I wrote it. That's it's not really the, the right... St- Thing. I can't I can't just write down a speech and read from a piece of paper. Some people can do it, and you could never tell. I'm not one of those people. I just need to have some notes and just go. Oh, yeah. If I ever do, like, a presentation at work, like, it takes me two weeks, and I've got, like, meticulous notes, and I, I've written it all <laughs> out. I could give you 
I, I could give you uh, my outline that I wrote for this PowerPoint, and you'd be like, there's no way you can get 10 minutes out of this. And I showed the initial outline to Allison, our museum manager, who often works different lectures that I give and everything. And she looked at it and went, I thought you said you were only going to do 35 minutes. Because <laughs> she knows how I go off. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I feel like you forget that I uh, look at your show notes every week. Yes, that's true. And they don't, <laughs> they don't correlate in any shape, way, or form to the show. No, I'm literally <laughs> looking at our show notes this week, folks, and uh, he's got like one word per line, and he's going to talk for an hour and a half. I just know it. Hang on, let, let's see how many actual words we have. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This is 20, thrilling 20. audio. 30, 30, 30. Join us next week so, when Mark counts the fruit in his fridge. No, so, okay, it is less than 50. I believe it's 47 words is the entirety of my show notes. 48, if you count the actual topic, mm. uh, is the entirety of my show notes, and we're going to see how long we go this week. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but, all right, what are you drinking this week? Uh, well, I... I made mistakes, Mark. Oh? So, uh, Mark and I were chatting this week uh, about our mutual appreciation for pineapple juice. And uh, we decided to do something pineapple-y this episode. So, I looked up a bunch of recipes, and uh, I I feel like Mark got the one decent recipe with whiskey. So, I, I had to go off the reservation. Uh, And what goes well with pineapple is generally accepted rum. Uh, So I looked up a bunch of rum cocktail recipes, and I could have done, like, you know, a Bay Breeze or something like that with some vodka. I could have done, you know, a bunch of really lazy cocktails. And I decided I wanted to do something a little bit different. So I, I combed probably through 100 recipes, and I picked this one out. And in my rush around today, I didn't quite like take a moment to really read this recipe and make sure I understood what was going on. So uh, I am like about to pour it into a rocks glass when I realize, oh shit, and I double check the recipe. And uh, this website doesn't list this as a double. It's definitely a double, folks. So I'm drinking (laughs) a drunken monkey and uh, it is... Whew. Uh, it might as well just be called Drunken Bunny at this point, Mark. Uh, so it is three ounces of pineapple juice, three ounces of orange juice, one ounce of spiced rum, four dashes of Angostura bitters, and three ounces of coconut rum. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I didn't go with the coconut rum. I think orange and pineapple are pretty forward themselves. Uh, and frankly, I have a very hard time offering up the limited cocktail or, uh, you know, liquor space that I have to, to flavored rums or vodkas. So I swapped out the coconut rum for three ounces of just white rum. Uh, and this is very clearly a double. There is what? Three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There are 10 ounces of liquid in this. Um, and four of them are liquor. A standard cocktail, 
will usually only have between an ounce and a half to two and a half ounces of liquor. So this is very clearly meant to be a double. They show it being served in a rocks glass. I've got it in the biggest pint glass I could find. Uh, so I'm halfway through it and I'm very twirly, but it is delicious. And honestly, the thing that kind of turned me on to it was the Angostura bitters. Um, I didn't know how it would taste because I've, Mark, I can't think of many rum drinks that require bitters. No, that's, I mean, admittedly, I'm pretty biased. I don't really drink rum, but off the top of my head, I got nothing. By and large, I feel like bitters are generally only used with, like, gins and whiskeys. Um, I I don't know a whole lot of bittered rum drinks. And mostly, I feel like this is because of the tiki craze. At some point, Mark, we got to do an episode on tiki, and I really want to, like, dive in on the history of tiki and, and like, how it, it was, like, co-opted by a bunch of white people very quickly. <laughs> I mean, we do have a tendency to do that. Yeah, um, but I, th- this is definitely a summer drink. I mean, it's citrus forward, it's spiced rum, it's coconut rum. Uh, I did uh, do a, a, a nod to our buddy Iggy, and so the spiced rum I chose was Kraken. Ah, uh, yes. A Team Leroy favorite, folks. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I just did... Standard white rum. I think I got some Captain Morgans in the basement. I usually keep some white rum on hand because those drinks are generally pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, it is very tasty. It's also very sweet. But I do like the idea of offsetting some of the sweetness of a rum drink with bitters because it's definitely a different layer of complexity on this. Uh, it darkens the drink up a little bit. It doesn't make it so agonizingly sweet as some of these drinks are. Um, and I feel like I, I'd want to play with this and balance it a little bit. I think I'd decrease the citrus a little bit. Um, you know, I, if I was gonna do, if I was gonna do coconut, I might do like a cream of coconut or some coconut water. And maybe I'd, I'd replace some of the citrus with the coconut water. Um, so there's definitely some ways to kind of make this a little bit better balanced. But by and large, it's a good cocktail. Um, you know, I know you're, you're not a rum fan, Mark, but uh, this is, it's refreshing, it's cooling, uh, it's, it's relaxing. Um, I, as it stands, I don't know if I could drink more than the one I'm drinking right now because it is very sweet. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm not a big rum guy. You know, we were joking off air before we started today. <clears throat> Everything that DJ accuses me of with brandy, you know, that I, I hate brandy, that I don't like this, I don't like that. Basically, all of that is true if you replace the word brandy with rum. <laughs> I, I don't like rum. I don't do it. I think I have close to 100 bottles upstairs in the bar. Exactly two of them are rum. They're both Malibu variants, and they're both the wife's. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't do rum. I don't do sugar. Yeah, no, it's fair. I, I will say... Um out of all of the lick that like, you know, the big five liquors, rum's probably my least favorite. Um, because I feel like even vodka has its place in cocktails. I mean, who doesn't enjoy a good martini? Um, but that being said, uh, I don't know. It, it grows on me here and there. I, I will say when we talk about tiki culture, I do love a good tiki cocktail with like orgy. Um, 
It's a very good syrup. But they're all sweet. I mean, I, we'll talk about this. I, I, I'm going to skip to Tools of the Trade after, after your drink. So what are you drinking? DJ has opinions. I have opinions. Um, well, this week was the wife's birthday, and she wanted to go to a local Mexican restaurant. Uh, you've been there, actually, the last time you came in, DJ, where we got tableside guac, and we had like a $300 bo- uh, bill, but I think when the seven of us went. Oh, yeah, the place where y'all made fun of me for not liking, you know, fucking <laughs> uh, cilantro. Yes, uh, we all got really excited because uh, somebody, I don't even remember if it was DJ or if it was Ziggy or whoever it was, wanted to get tableside guac, and we're like, oh, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, the guac here's great, I've had it before, and DJ's like, yeah, cool, no cilantro, and we're like, oh, no happiness. Uh, I'm sorry that I didn't want my guacamole to taste like soap. You didn't have to eat any, it was fine. <laughs> But anyway, uh, they they also have, in addition to having very good food, they have a pretty crazy bar, and they're usually known for all kinds of wild margaritas that have entire bottles of Corona sticking out of them and this, that, and the other thing. Well, so I was going down the cocktail menu. They had something listed just as Mexican whiskey. And so I asked the waiter, you know, oh, I'm not familiar with Mexican brands of whiskey. You know, what, what, what's the name? What's the flavor? And he's like, no, 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 no. He goes, it's a cocktail. And I'm like, wait, what? He goes, yes, yeah, it's, it, it's pineapple juice and scotch. And I went, come come again? And he goes, oh, <laughs> just try it. It's really good. And at first I was like, I don't know. But then it's like, ah, oh, I really like pineapple juice. I really like scotch. All right, let's give it a go. So it was. He handed me a rocks glass. It was exactly three things, ice, pineapple juice, and an unnamed scotch of some description. And I'm fairly certain it was an Islay because literally all you tasted was pineapple juice, pineapple juice, pineapple juice. And then at the very end, you got punched in the face with heavy smoke. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, this is dangerous. And so I had three of them and I fell in love. And I believe that may have been what started the pineapple talk this week. So I decided to attempt to replicate this at home. Uh, I don't really have any Islays laying around, but I ha- had Johnny Walker, which was the smokiest of the three or four scotches I had on the bar, which it's just that's the problem. I buy a smoky scotch, and then I just down it, and then I don't have it anymore. <laughs> so it's some, it's some Johnny Walker, it's some Dole pineapple juice, and then I decided to mix it up a little bit. I threw two chunks of pineapple in there with it, which they didn't do at the restaurant, and which is good. I, I have no problem with it, but when I stirred it, they kind of disintegrated. So it's basically like pulpy, smoky pineapple juice now. It sounds amazing. It's pretty good. Uh, I'm not mad at it. So, yeah, and they called this, quote-unquote, a Mexican whiskey. So it's totally simple. If you got some smoky scotch at home, go to the store, get the little cans of pineapple juice. Uh, it's two ounces of uh, scotch, and then the rest of it is, uh, in your rocks glass, is just pineapple juice. So maybe, what, four ounces of pineapple juice? And bada bing, bada boom, bada ba. It's pretty good shit. That's amazing. I, oh man, I can't over, overestimate how much I love pineapple and pineapple juice, especially in the summer. I don't know what it is. As a kid, I hated it, but now I just I find it like one of the most refreshing things in the summer. It is very good. All right, so you mentioned Tools of the Trade earlier. What are you doing for Tools of the Trade? Uh, I'm doing just rum. 
Uh, I, you know, we, we've spent five seasons talking about whiskey, and I absolutely love whiskey. I'm not going to disappear from whiskey. Um, but I feel like Tools of the Trade, I want to move it into more talking about some of the other liquors because we've, we've talked so much, Mark, about aging of whiskey and different kinds of barrels that you age whiskey in and mash builds. And so now anybody who's been along for the ride with us has a pretty good basis for understanding, you know, what, what makes a whiskey. And why don't we try to just apply some of that to rum? So, uh, I, I read some articles, but the one that I really liked was off of the website Serious Eats. And, uh, it starts off very dramatically, which I really appreciated. Um, but Mark, did you know about the 1919 flood, uh, in North Boston of molasses? I did, actually. I learned about that when I was living up in Beverly. I, th- I think it's one of the coolest things. But basically, January of 1919, so like the dead of winter, a tank holding 2,300,000 gallons of molasses burst and flood the streets running at 35 miles an hour. And, of course, like there's a downside to this, right? Like it did claim 20-some-odd 20, 20 lives and injured about 150 people. Uh, But I can't envision a 35-mile-an-hour wave of sticky molasses. No, I mean, there's a reason why the saying slow as molasses exists. Uh, That's the part of that story that always blew my mind. It's just like how much energy, how much inertia was released when that all occurred. Yeah, I I find it super fascinating. Um, But... Molasses is huge in rum. Uh, Sugarcane, molasses, uh, depending on who you're talking to, sugar beets as well. Um, but it's dispel, distilled from the fermented juice of sugar X. Sugarcane, sugar beets, uh, whatever it happens to be. Sugarcane syrup, sh- molasses, uh, sugarcane byproducts. There's like a billion different ways to make rum. But it's, whereas... Wheat and barley and rye and corn are things that whiskey's made out of, and it's all of those, like, cereal grains or corn, you know, some of those... All of the things we've learned about whiskey, uh, if you just swap all of those out with sugar, then you get rum. And I think that's part... Probably, Mark, that's your problem with it, right? Like, you prefer the more grainy kind of whiskey taste to the, the just pure sugar that is rum. Yeah. I mean, my palate, not just for drinks, just for anything in the world is skewed so far to the savory spicy side that if I eat too much of what I consider super sweet things, which I freely admit is probably not on the super sweet end of the scale generally, but my stomach actually will get upset. I, mm. I, I cannot consume a lot of just pure sugar in, in a small thing. So any type of, you know, fruity, quote unquote, girly drink, if you will, even though there's some of them that I like the taste of, I just can't drink them because my stomach's just like, nope. That's fair. I, I mean, I feel like you've got your stomach has an issue with sweet things. My stomach has an issue with spicy things. But I mean, I grew up in a very, very very French Canadian descent household uh, <laughs> with my grandparents uh, like speaking French regularly growing up. And my great grandfather actually had a maple maple sugaring farm. And as the, the apocryphal tale of my family goes, 
uh, he used to um, store maple syrup in uh, old glass Coke bottles. So when the grandkids would come over, which would have been my dad, he'd just pop the top off of them and hand them each a bottle of maple syrup, and they'd down them. So growing up, it was a regular occurrence for my father and his siblings to compete, out, try to out-compete how much maple syrup they could drink. So I should like rum way more than I do is really the, ta- the tale here. Um, but, you know, much like Mark, I, I tend to find rum drinks a little, a little saccharine for my like. I f- tend to, I'm going to sound super elitist here, but I tend to find gin and whiskey drinks tend to be more complex in flavors. Uh, they're the, there tends to be fewer gin and whiskey cocktails, but holy fuck are those cocktails good. I, who doesn't love a good old-fashioned or Manhattan? Who doesn't love a good aviation? Um, when it comes to rum, there are a thousand and one cocktails, and they're all saccharine sweet or bright blue and pink or a billion fruit juices. Um, I feel like rum and vodka tend to be those spirits that are very intrinsic to jungle juices and party punches. Um, but there is still a lot of really interesting things about rum. Uh, it can trace its history back to about 5,000 years ago, uh, where traders carried it to Asia Minor. Um, there, there's a lot of really interesting history I'm not going to go into here. We should do a whole episode on, like, rum and tiki culture. Um, but sugar cane and sugar beets require intense heat and a ton of oyster, uh, moisture, so they can really only be grown in tropical and subtropical climates. Um, the cool thing is that a sugar cane can grow as tall as 19 feet. Uh, I, I did as, uh, an early martial artist when I was very young, uh, I was in a very traditional Japanese martial arts style and the, uh, the Island of Okinawa, one of their main crops was sugarcane. So we learned a lot about it in, in terms of martial arts and we used to do demonstrations where we'd use martial arts weapons to like cut up sugarcane. Uh, and so I, I, very early on, I got to like suck on pieces of sugarcane, which is pretty cool. Um, in in essence, uh, it is uh, fermented and then it's distilled. Uh, it's distilled at less than 190 proof and generally is not bottled at anything more, uh, anything less than 80 proof. Uh, so, I mean, sky's the limit with rum, right? It's, it's up there. It's like whiskey. There's overproof rums that are, uh, you know, 151. Uh, they don't make them nearly as much anymore um, for whatever reason. There's probably not as big of a market nowadays. Um, but ultimately, there's a bunch of different kinds of rum that I wanted to highlight. So, um, much like if you look at tequilas, uh, rum does similar things. So there's there's a white rum, there's generally like a golden rum and a dark rum. Uh, there are rum agricole, uh, which are full-bodied, and they're made specifically from sugarcane juice instead of the molasses. Uh, they're generally um, a little bit more floral, and uh, it, there's a lot of really interesting... Um, distilleries out there making rum agricole. Uh, there's 
naval rum that's dark and super full-bodied um, that was generally given to the members of the British Navy formerly. Um, it's usually at 100 proof or more. There's single blended rum, uh, single barrel rums, because most rums in the market are blended. There's overproof, uh, which, you know, that's where we get our 151s. Uh, and then there's even a Solera rum, which I found really interesting. It, it's, uh, well, it's, it, I guess it's made using a pyramid of casks. I didn't know about this. Uh, but the top tier is young and fresh off the still, and the bottom is the almost mature and ready to bottle. Uh, so you'll draw some from the bottom and some from the top. And, you know, I, I guess there's some sort of cascading going on. I, I can't confess to really understand it. It's a little bit foreign compared to all the stuff that we've talked about with um, uh, whiskey over the years. Uh, but rum cocktails that you might try out if you're, you're interested in, in kind of dipping your toes in, the daiquiri is probably the most traditional rum cocktail. Um, everyone's probably heard of the Mai Tai. Uh, there's also Between the Sheets, uh, Between the Sheets and a Dark and Stormy. Uh, and I mean, your traditional Cuba Libre, which is literally just rum and Coke with a, sl uh, a lime wedge. So, um, rum's pretty interesting. There's a lot that goes into it. I haven't really even gotten into spiced rums like your traditional Captain Morgan or our fan favorite, uh, Kraken. Uh, but spice drums are their their own area. That I'll, I mean, maybe I'll save that for a future tools to trade. Well, there you have it, folks. Everything you wanted to know about nasty sugar water, but we're afraid to ask. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what do we have for uh, whiskey news, buddy? Well, you know, since I remember that this actually is the wit and whiskey cast, <laughs> I did a whiskey drink and I've done some actual whiskey news. I'm going to read you a headline, and I want to get your your first. Uh, Unbridled reaction to this. We're going to do a little word association, all right? Mm -hmm. The headline is, New Hampshire Distillery Turns Invasive Species of Crab into Whiskey. Oh, God. <laughs> That's horrifying. So, uh, Tamworth Distilling. Do you, do you know these people? They're in the Shire somewhere. I've been to Tamworth. Tamworth Distilling has teamed up with the University of New Hampshire's Green Crab Project to develop the House of Tamworth Crab Trapper, which is, this is an exact quote from Tamworth, made with a bourbon base steeped in custom crab, corn, and spice blended mixtures. Um. Uh, <laughs> the owner uh, of Tamworth, a man by the name of Stephen Gross, says that the developers boiled more than 90 pounds of the tiny crabs into a stock that was then fortified with neutral grain spirits and distilled on a rotary vacuum. It certainly has crab on the nose, Grouse told Forbes magazine. He said the taste is like a very briny but yet better fireball. <laughs> What? <laughs> That's an exact quote from the the owner of Tamworth Distilling. Whiskey should be briny. Uh, the crabs used for the liquor came from a Seabrook, New Hampshire trapper. Uh, green crabs are inherently native to Europe and are considered an invasive threat to the waters of New England. Uh, this is a way to raise awareness of a problem in a fun and interesting way. 
but it also shows through creativity and gumption, which we don't use enough in the English language, we can turn these pesty critters into a tasty treat. Is there any cereal grain in this distillate? Uh, it does not have what the mash bill is here. It's more of a article from the uh, ecosystem point of view, so I honestly don't know. Uh, I got to tell you, I don't like seafood generally. We've gone over this. I hate crabs in particular. I hate flavored whiskey, as we know. I would try this just for the hell of it. I'm sure I wouldn't like it. Okay, sure. I, fine. Fine. You can't <laughs> just distill anything and then call it whiskey. Well, they claim that it, 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 they, uh, once they made the crab bullion, I guess, the crab broth, for lack of a better term, they did what? mix it with a bourbon base, but they didn't really go into it. That's nothing. I don't know. Next time you're down that way, see if you can get it in nips. No. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually a, uh, a very new article on Forbes. This is only uh, two days ago as we're recording this. this I hate article. this. This is the worst thing you've <laughs> ever shared in this podcast. <laughs> do you hate it because of what it is, or do you hate it because it's in your own backyard? I Yes. <laughs> For fuck's sake, what's your topic today? <laughs> oh, I'm going to send you a bottle for Father's Day. I, I'm going to figure out a way. You can't anymore. <laughs> Father's Day is over. It's dead. We're never celebrating it again. Oh, my Lord. No, we're going to talk about cigars today, folks. Back before cigarettes, uh, there was a much more civilized way to smoke. And I'm not just talking about pipes. I love my pipes. Uh, but cigars. Mm, and so yes. you know, I wrote a I wrote a whole 48 words of notes. And we're gonna see what we can get out of this. But no, we're gonna go over some of the basics. Uh, if you're interested in them, we're gonna go over some of the different types. We're gonna go over, you know, how you go about picking a cigar, what they taste like, where they come from, uh, what's inside here, of them. And I'll be here to remind you of lung cancer. No, no, you don't get lung cancer from cigars. You get throat cancer, you get mouth cancer, you mm, get esophageal I'll, cancer. I'll just be here to remind you of cancer, folks. <coughs> yes, yes. So, all right. Um, basically, there are three main types of cigars. You have premium cigars, you have machine-made cigars, and then you have uh, cheroots, as they're called. Basically, a quote-unquote premium cigar, that's such a misnomer. Basically, all a premium cigar means is that it's handmade. It's not made on a machine. Uh, and there's a difference between, like, freehand cigars and uh, cigars made with molds. The vast majority of the cigars you buy, like, if you walk into a brick-and-mortar store and pick a cigar out of a box, the vast, vast, vast majority of them use molds. They're still hand-rolled once they're in the mold and everything, so they're considered premium. Has nothing to do with price, has nothing to do with quality. There's some shit-ass premium cigars, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Machine-made is exactly what it says on the tin. It's made in some kind of rolling machine. Uh, there's very little human interaction. These are generally the lesser quality cigars. These are your Swisher Sweets. These are your Backwoods. Uh, these are your Garcia Vegas. And they're fine for, you know, if you're knocking around the yard and you want to keep the bugs away while you're trimming hedges... Or if you're a fan of marijuana but don't want to roll a joint, you put it in a blunt. Th that's what those are good for. 
if you like flavors, that's often where you get your grapes and your cherries. And uh, oh, God gave me some honey backwoods once and then stayed long enough that I felt obligated to light one of them. It tasted like somebody crushed up Teddy Grahams and put them in rolling paper. Um, Is that not good? Again, I don't like sweet. Mm. Uh, But if that's what you're into, those are machine made. Cheroots are kind of an interesting offshoot. They're sort of, if you've ever seen a Clint Eastwood movie, you know, the man with no name, those are the type of cigars he smokes in those. They're skinny, they're ugly, uh, they're usually dried out, and they have a totally different manufacturing process. And they could be anywhere from $3 for a box of five all the way up to $15, $16 a piece for some of the fancier ones that come from Italy. Mm. So they're sort of their own little thing. Uh, But 95 plus percent of all cigars fall into one of those three categories. So now generally when you go to pick something out, if you want to buy a cigar, it's a lot like a drink. Do you want something stronger? Do you want something lighter? And cigars are pretty easy, actually. The darker the cigar, nine times out of ten, the stronger it is. Our good buddy Lou has coined the term black death cigars. Uh, You can often find some that the uh, outer wrapper, the binding, is literally black and oily and greasy. And those are strong enough that if you smoke them on an empty stomach, you actually will get a little bit of a buzz, like you're drunk. I mean, they're just pure concentrated nicotine. They're, They're crazy. Generally, the lighter a cigar is, the smoother it is, the less heavy it is. Uh, to the point where some of them are almost a yellowy, milky white. Uh, I generally fall in the middle. Uh, they basically, use, you have a light cigar, a medium cigar, then there's medium full, and then there's full. Full are like the strongest, heaviest, craziest shit on the planet. I generally like mediums, sometimes a medium full. Kind of like my steak. I like my cigars the way I like my steak. And... Uh, they can range anywhere from sort of a butternut khaki color to a darker end. Punches are usually darker. If I were to, to give you a punch cigar, you would look at it initially and go, that should be a lot stronger than it is, because it's a general rule of thumb. But the way the, the tobacco is processed, the way it's put together, that has a lot to do with it. Also, generally, the oilier a cigar is, uh, the stronger it is, because you're just getting that the pure stuff oozing out of the tobacco. Cigars generally don't have any chemical additives. They generally don't, don't have any additives, period, period, unless you're dealing with infusions, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So you don't have the tar. You don't have the chemicals of cigarettes. Basically, you pick the tobacco, you take it out, put it in a shed, and you draw, hang it and dry it. And then when it's dry, you chop it up, you roll it, you bind it, you do all of that. So it is generally a more uh, natural build it's closer to the actual leaves of the tobacco than in a cigarette or anything else that's why you'll often hear jokes that uh, you can have cigars on your diet because they're leaves they're basically a salad (laughs) that's nothing (laughs) so where do they come from um this is not by any means uh, a definitive list of the cigar tobacco producing regions of the world because pretty much any place that is uh, warm and moist can grow tobacco. We, you can actually grow tobacco here in Pennsylvania. I know a few people who do it for fun. Uh, they don't 
really sell it or age it or do anything with it. They just basically do it to prove it. But if you have the soil conditions and the moisture conditions, you could pretty much grow tobacco anywhere. But the uh, big ones, you have the Dominican Republic, you have uh, Honduras, Nicaragua, uh, the United States, both north and south. Everybody talks about Virginia tobacco and southern tobacco. Do you know where some of the best tobacco for smooth, uh, lightly colored cigars comes from, DJ? Mm, Cuba. No, your neck of the woods, up in Connecticut. No way. Yes, Connecticut tobacco is wonderful. I enjoy uh, some good Connecticut cigars uh, myself. The Nub Connecticut is wonderful. Uh, some of the Rocky Patel Smokers Edges have a Connecticut wrapper on them. They're, they're fantastic. Uh, Italy, which we talked about with some of the, the cheroots, although Italian tobacco is generally stronger. It's drier. It's cut a little bit different. But they also have a cigar-making industry. Now, you brought up Cuba. <sighs> We'll spare a few minutes on Cuba. Uh, you know, for the longest time, Cuban cigars were the holy grail. You know, thanks to JFK, we can't get them. Things have started loosening up a little bit with Trump, and then Biden hasn't really added any of the things back yet. So you can sort of get them now. I think you could bring up to 10 boxes into the country now, or five boxes or something like that. Here's the thing with Cubans, and I, I've had Cubans. They're good. I'm not going to sit here and say they're not good. They're, they are. They're very good. You can get an equivalent from the Dominican Republic, if you know what you're looking for. You could certainly get uh, an equivalent from Nicaragua. Nicaragua has a lot of the same growing conditions. And if you're willing to spend the money, you can find something pretty similar. And you'll actually, it'll be a little bit cheaper because Cubans are overpriced, because they're technically illegal, and you have to smuggle them in. The only real difference that makes a Cuban worthwhile is its insane longevity and its insane inability to go out. If you're smoking a cigar, depending on the size, depending on how hot you're getting a cigar, I have smoked cigars for 15 minutes, and then I've smoked some longer ones. Uh, Beaver Bob and I used to set the record with some of the CAO big blocks. Uh, we went over three hours once on the same cigar. Nice. So depending on all that. Now, the big thing is, let's say you're smoking a cigar, you put it down, you answer the phone, you do X, Y, and Z. You could tell a better cigar by how quickly it goes out or does it go out. If you set it in your ashtray and you go to the bathroom and you come back and it's out already, chances are it's a cheaper cigar. It's a lower quality cigar. Cubans never go out. Ever. So what, what do they do to do that? Like, what makes it higher quality? It's the way they roll it. It's the way they roll the filler, which we're going to talk about filler in a little bit. Uh, it's their binding process. Uh, on any handmade cigar, for the most part, there's a few of them that come pre-cut, but 99% of them you have to cut. And there's a million different ways you can cut a cigar. You can just clip the tip off of it. You can use a ring cutter. You can use scissor cutters. You could use a punch, a pin, yada, yada, yada. But the whole idea is you want to break what's called the cap, which is on the end that you put in your mouth. You want to break that so that there's now airflow from the foot of the cigar, which is the part that you light, all the way through. And you could draw air through and draw the smoke through. Uh, on a cigar anywhere in the world, you have a cap. You cut that off, and then you go in there. 
on a Cuban cigar because of the way they're rolled, because of the inside, because of the techniques. They have three caps. Mm. And they're the only place in the world that does, which is one of the ways you could tell a regular Cuban from a fake. Fake Cubans are, are a big thing. I've, I've had, for every Cuban I've had, I've probably had five fakes. Because anytime anybody goes to Mexico or uh, Jamaica or any place like that, they know I smoke cigars. They're like, oh, I brought you some Cubans. And, you know, they mean well, but nine times out of ten, they're fake. Mm. Uh, but that's the biggest thing with a Cuban cigar. You could do whatever the hell you want. It'll still be sitting in the ashtray smoldering. Other than that, you know, save your money, buy something good from Nicaragua, buy something from Honduras. That's, that's my advice for that. Uh, cigars come in any shape, size, whatever you want. Uh, there are lengths all the way from just, you know, two to three inches all the way to seven or eight, if you want big monsters. And basically, the longer the cigar, not always, but the longer the cigar, the more flavor change you're going to have, the more flavor profile you're going to have, because there's more filler tobacco inside of it. There's more uh, chance for the tobacco to change as it burns. <clears throat> but again, that, that's just a general rule of thumb. Nub has been doing some interesting things. Nubs are tiny. I think they're only about three and a half inches, which is why they're called a nub. They burn slower than anything else. You could smoke a nub and it smokes as long as a six, six and a half inch cigar and gives you the same flavor change. Hmm. The other big thing you'll see is ring gauge. And what ring gauge is, is how fat around a cigar is. Uh, 30, 40, 50, 60. Uh, 60 and 70, you get up to some really, some big fat ones. So you'll often see sizes of cigar with a single number X and then a double number. So 5X50, 5 by 50. Five-inch cigar with a 50-inch ring gauge. That's what that means. Um, you know, 5 by 40, 6 by 50, et cetera, et cetera. And that gives you an idea of the, uh, the size. Generally, the bigger, the longer um, the, it, that it lasts. Uh, you know, it's a longer smoke. It's a deeper smoke, whereas the, the shorter ones obviously go quicker because you have less there. So, okay, we talked about the wrapper, which is the outside covering. We talked about the, the foot, which is the end you light. We talked about the cap, which is the end that you cut off. What's inside of it? And what's inside of it is called filler tobacco. And there's two different kinds. There's short filler and there's long filler. Short filler is garbage stuff. That's what they put in cigarettes. That's what they put in your machine-made cigars, your swishers, your backwoods, etc. And basically, you chop the tobacco up into very, very fine, not even powder, but just very fine pieces, almost tobacco confetti. And then you just roll it all up, and whatever's in there is in there. And that's why you get air pockets, and that's why you get uh, you know, the different uneven burn characteristics and things. Long filler is longer strips of tobacco, and it's bound together um, a braid isn't the right term, but that's because they don't actually braid it, but they sort of tie it together on one end. So you have several long strips of tobacco that are all connected together. And when the rollers are doing this, this is what allows them to give you the different flavor characteristics of a cigar, how they leave the filler in, what, what pieces of tobacco they put where, you know, okay, we're going to have five or six on the outside. Then on the inside two, we're going to put these and, uh, that's what gives you the temperature change. This what gives you the flavor change as the tobacco burns. That's what gives you the different hints as you go through. 
A cigar is a lot like a cocktail. You have a nose to it, you have the initial hit on the palate, then you have the body, and then you have the finish. Uh, it's really no different. I mean, like a cigar, you get different flavor, or like a cocktail, rather, you get different flavor notes. Um, <clears throat> you can get spicier cigars, pepperier cigars. Some of the punches are peppery. I, it's not a bad thing. It seems weird to say that, to be like, oh, you're smoking pepper, but it's kind of a fun little sensation. Hmm. Some, some of the stronger ones we talked about, you do get oil, of course. You get some of the oily taste. Leather, DJ's favorite taste. God, it's just... <laughs> I just, you're talking to me about this, and it's just cishet, dude. Yeah, leather leather is a, is a common one. Um, many of the earthen tones. I mean, you know, obviously, tobacco comes from the ground. It's a plant. You grow it in the dirt. So oftentimes, you will get many earthen turns. But not always. You can actually get some flavors without doing an infusion. There are some more citrusy cigars. There are some more fruity cigars. And when I say fruity, I don't mean flavored. I mean, Baccarat is a, it's not just a card game anymore, folks. Baccarat cigars, they use a certain plant-based gum to seal the wrapper, and that gives it a fruity taste. It's not a flavored cigar. It's not a flavored tobacco, but it has sort of a fruity air to it, a tone to it. Like bubble gum? No, I don't, it's almost like a gelatinous goo, for lack of a better taste. <laughs> and... Uh, one of my other favorites, Warlock cigars. And uh, these are a little bit on the heavier side. These are pretty black. I don't smoke them all the time because they're a little bit stronger. But they come from Nicaragua. <clears throat> and they actually come from a specific plantation in Nicaragua that only grows two things, DJ. Do you want to take a, One of them is tobacco. Do you want to take a guess what the other one is? Um, no. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> He's not the best color man in the business for nothing, folks. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is coffee. Oh, uh, that would have been an easy guess, too. It would have been. I threw you that softball, and you just watched it come right over the plate. Yeah. Uh, it's like every baseball game I've ever played in. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, and basically, you have, since it only does, they only grow two things, one year, 50% of the fields at this plantation are tobacco. The other year, 50% of the uh, fields are coffee. And then at the following year, they switch. So because of this, the soil has the nutrients from both constantly. So when you smoke these cigars, you do get some caffeine, you do get some coffee on it, not because it's flavored, but just because all that stuff is in the soil. And Warlocks are actually really good. I highly recommend them. <clears throat> uh, price. You know, we're going we're gonna to talk about price here. Everybody, oh, cigars are expensive. Cigars, you know, people look at, you know, Cigar Aficionado magazine. and They look at movies, and, you know, people like Arnold Schwarzenegger chewing cigars. Cigars can be expensive. You could pay $15 for one for a, a mediocre cigar. You could pay $25, $35 for one for something a little bit higher end, and that's not even getting into the limited releases and the Opus Xs and all that. I'm just talking about stuff that you could walk into a store and buy off the shelf. You could also pay two, three dollars for one. If you want a cigarello, if you want a small cigar, something that you could smoke in the car on your way to work, uh, smoke outside when you're taking the garbage out, you could pay a dollar fifty for one. Uh, there's no in between, and price does not always correlate to taste. My local cigar shop has their own 
quote unquote house brand that doesn't have any labels on it. I don't know who actually makes it, what big cigar company makes it. They're only about $375, $4 a stick. They're fantastic. Um, they're, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, if you want like a Macanudo or Punch or something, they're a little bit better for, but they're double the price. I've also had some $15, $16, $17 cigars, and I'm like, these suck. (laughs) So, you know, don't look at the price and just go, oh, these are terrible. Uh, That's not always the case. Uh, Oh, I I skipped when we did flavor notes. Infusions. There's a lot of infused cigars out there, uh, depending on what you like. If you like coffee, whiskey's a big one. Maker's Mark was making their own infused cigars for a while. They're fine for what they are. Uh, You know, I I don't like them. There's a market for them. The Maker's Mark ones were fine, but they were overpriced. You can infuse your own cigars at home. I did it for an episode of this show however long ago. I don't think it's worth the effort. It tastes fine, but I don't think it's worth the effort. So some tips for beginners if you go into a store. Don't be afraid to ask before you buy. Like, let's say you see something on the shelf you like. Talk to not just the, the salesperson, but talk to some of the people in the back that are smoking in the, the lounge. Say, hey, what does this taste like? What are the notes? What's this? What's that? You know, I like flavor X and, you know, tone Y. Is this in there? And they're either going to tell you yeah or they're going to say no, but hey, this is more your speed. Why don't you try this? Don't buy top shelf day one. Again, like liquor, just don't. Don't why. I cannot tell you how many times I've been sitting in the lounge of a cigar store, happily minding my own business, and someone walks in and, and that clearly has never been in a cigar store before and goes, what's the most expensive cigar you have? Just why? Who are you impressing? Nobody. You're probably <laughs> going to hate it. You're going to drop $55 on one cigar for what reason? Just I mean, later on, if you're celebrating, like, when I graduated Endicott, I bought a $50 cigar. You know, something like that, sure. But just when you're starting out, Jesus, no. Was it good? It was, actually. It was really good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that was one and done. Okay, so, um, so let me see if I understand it. Like, they're, like they, they're different based on quality. They're different based on, like, their fill. Is the outside brown layer also tobacco, but it's, like, a different yes. kind of dried tobacco? It's a different kind of dried tobacco. That's where your colors come in. That's where your finish comes in. Um, you you have your your wrapper, your binder. Basically, the, the filler is on the inside. Then outside of the filler, you have what's called the binder, which literally holds the whole thing together. And if you crack the binder, you're going to have a bad time because the cigar is going to fall apart. But it's easy enough to do, though. I've done it many times. I'm not sitting here judging you, but when it happens, you're going to have a bad time. And then on the outside of that, you have the wrapper, which is the exterior most layer. The one that, if you do it right, is the only layer you see. And, and you cut the end that you put in your mouth. Correct. So the other end's already open? Yes. The other end... Oh. For the most part, there are very few cigars that you have to cut both ends and they're just pretentious fucking, there's no reason for it. It's just something to do to do. And the cap, which is the end that you cut, nine times out of ten is just round. Um, That's the normal end. There's also what they call torpedo ends, Mm -hmm. which come in a point and you have to cut sort of a little triangle area off. Um, There's some that are fatter. I like box press cigars a lot, which I know... Any of our listeners that are really hardcore cigar snobs are probably rolling their eyes because there's a great debate over box press cigars. A box press cigar is square. 
And the idea is you put it all together, you roll, let's say you roll a 60-gauge cigar, and you have it all regular, it looks like a normal cigar. Then you put it in a press, and you squeeze the shit out of it so it goes down to like a 50-gauge, but it's square, and the idea is the tobacco is more concentrated, so it's stronger. A lot of people love them. They'll only smoke those. A lot of people think it's a dumb gimmick to waste money. I'm in neither camp. I like them, but I don't smoke them exclusively, but I think they're kind of neat. So those are a little tricky to cut, though, because they're square, and most cutters are round, so you need, like, a punch. Interesting. What is your favorite kind of cutter? Uh, I usually use a punch. I have a punch on my keychain. Uh, I have a couple of expensive butterfly cutters, which are basically big Vs with two blades. I haven't bought any of them. I've been gifted them over the years. They work really well. You have to be really fucking careful with them. I mean, you could cut the tip of your finger off if you wanted to. (laughs) But, uh, you know, if you get good with a punch, and I'm not saying that like on the internet, oh, get good, you know, no. Like if they're tricky to use and you could oblong and dry it out, but if you get good with a punch and you center them and you get into a rhythm, you generally don't risk cracking the binding because you're just piercing the cap. You're not really cutting it. You don't have to worry about that I cut too much, that I cut too little, blah, blah, blah. You just put it in, you squeeze the end, punches through. You have a nice little hole, you draw it. Um, I didn't really get into draw because we don't really have the time, but you often hear cigars have a tight draw. That means you it's kind of like a milkshake that's too thick. You have to suck on the end harder to draw the smoke through. <laughs> um, whereas a looser draw... Um, sometimes isn't that good because generally the looser a draw is, the faster a cigar will burn. But the way a cigar is wrapped, yeah, that affects the draw. You don't have to suck it quite as hard. You don't have to suck it quite as hard, no. Um, <laughs> don't bite your cigars, folks. That's another tip for beginners. Don't chew on them. Uh, it's just a bad habit to go in, and you'll ruin the flavor. Because if you put, if you actually put too much saliva on the cigar as you get down in and as it heats up, it'll get very bitter once it gets wet. So just don't, don't do that. Um, if you don't like something, that's fine. Um, I talked about this during the toxic fandoms episode, cigar people suck. And, you know, the newest thing is the newest thing. And you have to like the newest thing. The big thing right now is Drew Estate. That's the big brand. Drew Estates are fucking terrible. (laughs) Um, and I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound really gatekeepy, but just bear with me. Drew Estates are cigars for people who don't like cigars. And the best example I can give you is my wife. She hates cigars. She loves Drew Estates. (laughs) The three or four times we'll go to the, she'll come with me to the cigar shop. She always buys a Drew Estate, usually one of the Girl Scout cookie peppermint flavored cigars. (laughs) Um, But these are the big thing. These are in all the cigar magazines. You see these guys in three piece suits. Oh, the Drew Estate broke. They're fucking terrible. Just, and I don't like them, and I don't care. I don't care who I piss off. And that's the same way. You, you might love them. Cool. Tell me to go fuck myself and smoke what you want to smoke. That's what it's all about. Likewise, did you take the band off the cigar? Did you leave the band on the cigar? Who fucking cares? <laughs> the fact that we're still arguing over this in 2022 pisses me off to no end. I Jesus mean, Christ. Isn't it basically just, do you peel the labels off your bottle? I don't know, because I've never heard anybody get violently angry about that. Like, I've seen <laughs> legitimate fistfights start over bands on a cigar or off a cigar. Why? Because people are fucking idiots. I don't know. 
I, I don't understand. I have no preference one way or the other. Sometimes I take the band off, sometimes I don't, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. I don't even realize I'm doing it. Like, I don't understand why it's such a big thing. This, this seems like a whole lot of effort to get throat cancer. Yeah. Uh, but, and my final point for beginners, and then I'll open it up to questions for you. It goes great with a glass of your favorite whiskey. Or liquor, period. Whiskey's probably the best. Scotch's probably the best. Brandy, it's very good with brandy, even though you claim I hate brandy. Winston <laughs> Churchill used to actually dunk his cigars in brandy. Um, you know, but you could also have it with rum. If you have a lighter cigar, a nice Connecticut wrapper with a glass of white rum probably wouldn't be terrible. Uh you know, so it's great to pair it with, and it's great to pair it with food too. You have a Father's Day, you're doing a barbecue, you have a steak, mm, nice cigar. So, okay, what about those of us who are extremely wary of throat cancer and don't want to experience actually smoking one of these? Is there any way for us to kind of uh, encounter some of the flavor profiles you're talking about if we're if we maybe want to have a glass of whiskey but we don't really want to smoke something? Um, the closest would be probably some of the uh, smokier scotches and some of the double oaked bourbons, which neither of which you like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, and I'm going to sound like a spokesman for the cigar industry, but this is actually true. I have two uh, fun little bits. You're talking about throat cancer. The FDA, of all people, uh, did a study that kind of got lost because it came out not long before the Rona broke, which that was obviously a bigger story. But basically, you could smoke one to two cigars a day, which is way more than I ever smoked. Um, but you could smoke one to two cigars a day, and they found the increased risk of cancer was negligible. Because the big thing, and I didn't mention this today because I forgot, because I always think this is common knowledge, and it isn't, and that's my fault. You don't inhale a cigar. Yeah, talk to uh, me about uh, that. Unlike a cigarette, you don't inhale a cigar. You puff on a cigar. You, you know, I said earlier, suck on a cigar, but you puff on a cigar. You have it lit. You put it in your mouth. You puff once or twice. You put it back down again. You let, it's almost like a wine tasting. You let the smoke hang out in your mouth for a little bit. You get the flavors, and then you blow it out. Now, don't get me wrong. Every now and then, you know, you're talking. You take a sip. You do whatever. You inhale some of it. But if you inhale 2% of a cigar, that's high. Uh, so because of that, your risk, especially of lung cancer, is almost negligible. Now, throat cancer, mouth cancer, that's another story. There's also a lot of other uh, factors. Tooth loss is a big factor with uh, increased tobacco use, whether you uh, inhale or don't inhale. But the best, uh, I could tell you one little anecdotal story here. Uh, I had to switch doctors a couple of years ago, uh, personal physicians. And I had a lady doctor, which, hey, whatever. She took over the practice from my old doctor. And she was looking at my chart, and you could see she's kind of puzzled. And I said, what's the matter, doctor? And she says, it says here you smoke. You don't, you don't smoke. And I said, well, yeah, I do. I said, but I smoke cigars. Oh. Well, how many cigars do you smoke? And I said, between three to five a week. Ah, you're fine. <laughs> and that was it. She never brought it up again. Okay, so, like, why isn't a cigarette? Like, you know, is it, I feel like cigarettes, we talk a lot about tar, we talk about the inhalation, we talk about secondhand smoke, like, is there not tar? No. Because not everything that's bad, I mean, nicotine in large quantities is bad for you, and it is a drug, it is addictive. But basically, the really nasty stuff, the tar, the chemicals, the 
the nickel and mercury fragments they're finding now, all of that stuff in cigarettes is added in the process. That's man-made. Um, cigars, uh, premium cigars, especially handmade cigars, they don't have any of that because it's just the leaves. And it's just the way they're treated and it's just the way they're dried. What about like cheroots or like, you know, what, what is it, swizzles that you were saying? Swisher sweets, yeah. No, yeah. those can be worse. I mean, but those, again, those are the stuff you're going to buy at a gas station for two ninety nine for five of them. Uh, they're closer to cigarettes. There actually has been a movement lately to classify, quote unquote, little cigars as cigarettes because you'll often see the wood fill, uh, the, the wood tipped fake filters on them like a cigarette, uh, things like that. You know, I, I I said the the cigar community is pretty shit, and we are, and I'm I'm guilty of this too. We look down on those, <laughs> like those. You got to be really desperate. You really got to be having a nick fit to have one of those. Um, but although I did see in a gas station in Lancaster the other day when I went running for parts, they had individual like Macanudos and Romeo and Juliets, like name brand cigars. Um, in little humidity bags. We didn't even get into humidifiers and the way you have to keep them. That's a whole nother hour-long goddamn episode. Um, this is just if you want to go to a store and buy a cigar and smoke it immediately and you don't have to keep it, that's what this episode's for. Yeah, well, why do you have to... Like, aren't they just dried leaves? Like, why, why do you have to keep them humid? Because if you let them completely dry out, they will split, they will burn funny, they'll taste nasty. Um, depending on... Uh, the atmospheric conditions, you can actually get tobacco beetles, mm. which will not even not only eat your cigars, they will spread and you'll have bugs in your house. Uh, basically, you're keeping a, I don't want to say living plant, but you're keeping recently alive plants uh, in rolled up concentrated form in your house. Uh, so you need a, a proper humidifier. It needs to have the proper water. Because uh, if you just put tap water in your uh, hu humidor, it's going to change the flavor of the cigar. You're going to have the fluoride and the chemicals and everything that we put in our water. So you need to have bottled, distilled water. Uh, how soggy you want them, I go on the higher end. I usually run between 68 and 70% humidity in my humidifier. Oh, wow. That's higher end. Uh, but... I don't smoke as much. Like, you'll see a lot of people, oh, I only rock 60% humidity. I only rock 62% humidity. Yeah, how long does a box of cigars stay in your humidor? Oh, I smoke a box a month. Yeah, no, I'd be dead. And like, uh, 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 if I talk to, you know, if I smoke that much. If I buy a box of 30 cigars, that's six, eight weeks minimum. Hmm. So I want to make sure that they're, they're, they're going to stay. Do you have a humidor in your house? I have three or four total. <laughs> I have a, a big one that's in my living room uh, that is the main one. I have one in my camper. I have one that I gave to the old man. And I have a second one at the house that I think might be at the, uh, might be in the attic. And I've given like two or three away. I see seasoning them as a whole other process. You can't just buy a humidor and put cigars in them. Um, they give you instructions on how to season them and everything. So I have bought and seasoned humidors for people and then just sold them to them for what I paid for them. So I've probably had seven or eight humidors in my life. Lou and I had one in our apartment in college. Damn. That's, that's crazy. Wow. So how'd we do for only having 48 words written? 
Uh, <laughs> it was pretty good. We're like right around 65 minutes. Yeah. Well done. So that's Cigars 101. Um, you know, it's a great community hobby for celebrations, you know, weddings, sports team victories, birth of a child. You can actually buy cigars that the bands just say, it's a boy, it's a girl. Um, you know, basically every cigar company will make them and they're, they're pretty cheap. So you can hand out cigars. It's, it's a great social interaction. And generally, and I know I'm biased, cigars smell so much better than cigarettes. Mm. They don't smell as good as a pipe, but they smell so much better than cigarettes. Yeah, and for those of us who don't actually smoke, uh, most uh, prestige chocolatiers will make chocolate cigars that you can bring to the birth. Bubblegum cigars are still great. I've been a fan of bubblegum cigars since I'm a kid. I still buy them when I see them out. Uh, you can get all kinds of fun flavors of bubblegum cigars. So. I, am, I am planning on getting, because uh, they come in a nice little foil tube that uh, you can bring with you. So I'm going to get a nice chocolate cigar for when the kid's born. I w- well, you know, chocolate cigar makes sense for a tube. I will say, the, in my experience, the cigars that come in the individual tubes, you're basically paying for the tube. I mean, you it's can, the same as whiskey and tubes. Yeah, I mean, you can get an equivalent cigar from the same company. Like, you know, you're, you're, let's say you want a Macanudo Robusto. You're going to pay a dollar and a quarter more for a Macanudo Robusto in a tube, and it tastes exactly the same. Just mm-hmm. don't. Well, that just about wraps up cigars, everybody. Uh, I'm sure we'll probably talk about it a little bit more if we can ever get the old man back on the the podcast. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I know he loves smoking them too, but thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, we'd love it if you could, uh, you know, go out there, subscribe, give us a rating on iTunes. That helps us stay uh, relevant in those charts. Um, we are online, www.thewittandwhiskeycast.com. Uh, we're on, uh, Instagram and Facebook. We try to Try to do those Instagram and Facebook posts uh, every episode, but sometimes life gets away from us. Uh, but we are out there on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Listen Notes. All I think we just got on a new platform, Pod something or other, uh, that a fan may have near. Uh, it, um, uh, what's the thing nominated? Nominated us for. Uh, so if you, you did How that. How much rum have you had? Thank you so much. Uh, we already talked about that. It's four ounces. Um, we uh, release uh, right here in your favorite podcatcher, 8 a.m. every Friday. Uh, so if you want to make sure that you hear our next episode, make sure to subscribe at least in your favorite podcatcher, uh, and we'll show right up. Uh, Mark, what are we doing next week? Well, I don't exactly know now. We had a you episode. We had a me episode. We should probably do an us episode, huh? That's See, you got that softball. I threw you a second one, and you got that one. <laughs> yeah. um, so we should do Kingdom is... Hearts and whiskey is what I'm hearing. Oh, God, no. <laughs> can, can, we, can we not? I mean, I, I would prefer not to. Um, <clears throat> good Lord above. Well, hmm. We've already done a decades. We started collecting. We could finish that. Uh, we could stick with the fandom. We could do head cannons. I don't know. What do you, What do you feel like? I like head cannons. That could be fun. I I feel like that could be really good, or it could just be you and me talking shit about payday. 
Well, Payday is going to come up, but I, it's not going to be the only one. But yeah, it's we're definitely going to talk about Payday. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's going to be good. Head cannons, fan theories, and whiskey. Uh, things are going to get wild, folks. So you know, just bear with us. If you don't like our nerdier episodes, maybe tune in just to see what we're drinking and whiskey news and tools of the trade, and maybe tune out. But hey, it is what it is. Yeah, we're going to get fucking nerdy. I'm going to be talking about OTPs. Yeah. It, it's it's gonna be good. I uh, just oh, there's so many ideas, but yes, um, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Tune in next week for Head Cannon Whiskey. Uh, we of course want to thank Nuno Henry Silva for intro and outro music. Uh, shout out to our buddy who's out there in Boston now. Um, you know he, he and I are still chatting regularly about Star Wars because uh, the Obi Wan shows on on Disney Plus now. So uh, we love you, buddy. And uh, make sure to check out his SoundCloud in our show notes. I think that wraps it up, buddy. I think that's it. So, hey, you know, as I'm uh, tapping this cigar, because you tap it, you never snub. That's your last lesson for the day. Salute. Cheers. Cheers.